and you don't have to be guarded. That was the end of the little correction. We're going to study the word together. And of course, there'll be some if the Lord does it. That's wonderful. Hebrews 11. And before I read this text, I'm going to give you some background, and then we'll read 11, 4 through 5 together. Let me just read this from Genesis 4. And Adam knew his wife and conceived, and they bare Cain and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. And then he, uh, they bear another boy named Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord, and Abel brought the firstlings of the flock and the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering, but unto Cain and his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, you'll also be accepted, but if you do not, sin lieth at the door. Genesis 5 says this, And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat his son three hundred years, and he also begat other sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were three hundred and sixty-five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Now our text, fourth in our series on uh, faith, myths, and miracles, and facts. Hebrews 11, 4 through 5. Would you read this with me? I'll start and then fall out and then you continue. By faith... You may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. That was kind of a disjointed verse to have you read together. That was my fault. Hey, but we, we, we muddled through it. This series by faith, we determined in the story or in the chapter of Hebrews chapter 11, otherwise known as the roll call of faith, that this roll call contradicts a lot of the theology and context of preaching about faith that we find in this Western world church. Most of the preaching and teaching about faith that we hear is about us getting something from God, but Hebrews 11 talks about God getting something from us. By faith, Abel offered. By faith, Noah built. By faith, we understand that the world was framed by the word of God and the things which appear were made out of things that do not appear. By faith, Moses forsook Egypt having esteemed the reproaches of Israel greater than the riches of Egypt. So God getting something out of us. By faith, last week, uh, we shared about understanding, spiritual understanding, knowing God as creator. But this week, I want to talk to you by, about pleasing God, by faith, pleasing God. It's not just the sacrifice of Christ, which is the primary thing, and we'll get to that in a moment, but the idea of pleasing God with who we are, with what we are, with what we give, with how we live, with what we say. And we can fall in the trap of, well, no one's perfect. We're not talking about perfect. We're talking about the person whose goals, desires, intentions, and actions are aimed at pleasing God. Uh, brother Air Conditioner, we're good in here. It's working. It's on. 
I got a coat on and I can feel it rippling through here. And we got ladies, y'all tickle me, by the way. Y'all are coming here with like a shawl wrapped around a tank top, you know. But it's cute, Pastor John, it's cute. Okay. So by faith, we, we want to let that be our aim. Yes, we find the only entrance into God's presence, the only acceptance, and we'll get to it in a moment, is the, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But do you have a goal to please the Lord, to bring pleasure to him? One of the problems in the business world and one of the problems in the church is we have no target. If you have a target on the wall, how many of y'all remember trying archery in middle school and you realize you, you do your little thing and you hit a car in a parking lot over here and you go, dang, that, that's hard. Hitting a target's hard. You know what we do? We shoot the arrow into the fence and then draw the target around it and go, look at there. What is your target in your Christian life? The goal of the believer should be to bring honor and pleasure to the Lord. Now God, because he's God and he's faithful and he's good, will bless and enrich and give us joy unspeakable and full of glory and meet all of our needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. But that's byproduct. That's not goal. And that's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about pleasing God uh, like Abel did and like Enoch did. Those who please God, if you're, you're taking notes, do so in four primary ways. They do so in how they approach him. They do so in what they bring him. They do so in how they respond to him. And they do so how they walk with him. So, now this is not exclusive, but this is for the sake of our text, is the four I'm focusing on. They, they please God in how they approach him and what they bring him and how they respond to him and how they walk with him. What does it mean to please God? Now, we know the, the part about acceptance. And again, I keep saying this, but I will get to that. That's a primary point. But it means that God has found pleasure in us, that he delights in us. And experiences enjoyment with us. That he's satisfied. And because he is pleased, it only seems right that he would anticipate you. And his desire to reciprocate pleasure as well. No one receives pleasure that's good that does not want to reciprocate it. So, pleasing the Lord and living in the awareness of that pleasure is the fuel of the Christian life. It's, it's the glory of the Christian life. When God said of Christ, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. That's not exclusive. It was, it was in that moment being sinless and pure, but we are sinless and pure through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We are the righteousness of God and it should be our goal to bring pleasure to the Lord in all that we do. So, we bring pleasure to God in how we approach him. Abel approached God and he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. Our, his approach and our approach must always begin with the covering of sin. Abel brought, or Cain brought fruit from the ground and later on in Levitical times we understand that that was acceptable. Fruits and grains and heave offerings and wave offerings and turtle doves and pigeons. 
But Abel first brought the firstlings of his flock. He knew through Adam and Eve, who, by the way, weren't mentioned in the roll call of faith. Abel was. So he had to have learned this from his parents. They told of the story of their fall from God's glory, their missing of the mark, how they hid in the garden naked because they knew they were naked and they feared the Lord, and how God took skins and clothed them. God killed a lamb, pointing to the lamb that would later die for our sins. And he applied the skins to them. What was on the underside of that skin? Residue of blood. God clothed them. And Abel, knowing the story of their failure, said, Before I come to God with song and dance and gifts and resources and talents and abilities and praise and worship, I come in the name of your sacrifice. They had not the full revelation, but Eve had told him, God promised a seed, my seed, that would come, that would bruise the head of the serpent. And all the killed lambs up to the time of Jesus, when John the Baptist declared, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That's the Savior of the world. All the lambs pointed towards that. And there is no approach outside of that. Well, we're all God's children. No, we're not. Only those who approach with the lamb are accepted. Their approach, the ones that please God, must be personal. First person. Abel didn't bring it through a priest. He didn't bring it through a preacher, a prophet, a teacher, a bishop, a cardinal, a pope, a vicar, a monk. He brought his sacrifice, his understanding of redemption, he brought his lamb before the Lord personally. First person, not daddy's God, not mama's God, not Pastor John's God, our Savior, but my Savior. Those that please God, their approach must be humble. You can't understand our sinfulness and walk with an arrogance. There's twofold. There's a deep humility that a believer should walk in. And if they walk in it, the Bible said, if he humbled themselves in the sight of the Lord, then the Lord lifts them up. And that's a godly confidence, not an arrogance. We don't just approach God anyway. There's a humbleness. When we come into God's house, we still ought to, don't ever lose this. And if you've lost it, get it back. It ought to, when you come into a place committed to his name and to his son, you ought to go, Somebody like me gets to worship the Lord. Someone like, I told my uh, testimony yesterday to a man in his 70s, and I told him the whole story. And I said, it's a scandal that somebody got like me gets to preach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. I am a nobody, mashed potatoes, nothing, average, bland. The last person you would invest in, and God, who's rich in his mercy, forgave me of my sins. There ought not be, and if this is in you, God despises it. Any of us, he ought to be lucky I come. Stay home. God ain't lucky. He ought to be lucky I'm pastor. Are you kidding me? This drunk, this old drunk gets to pastor? God's not lucky. I'm the one blessed. I'm the one. There ought to be the, we get to go to God's house. We get to worship while we can in this nation freely. 
If, it, if, we, if we're struggling when there's no cost, and it's right around the corner, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. The church is going to lose its tax-exempt status right around the corner. And when people stop getting their tax break, the giving is going to stop. A lot of churches dependent upon all this. That's why we want to get debt-free completely, what little we owe in this building. And then it's going to cost you, and you're going to be hate speech. If I preach, I'm going to be hate speech and all that. There has to be that, that, that I owe God, a humility of heart. You don't create that in crisis. You create that before. The ones that please God, their approach must be repentant. And it must be in faith. When you come before the Lord and you come in Jesus' name, you enter boldly. Enter boldly by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he's consecrated through the veil. That is to say, his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with true assurance, full of faith. The Old Testament, the priest would walk through the, the veil. We walk through the torn body of Jesus Christ into the presence of God and we have access. We are humble, but we are confident. We are confident that when I come before the Lord, it's like walking through a sheet of, God's blo- of Christ's blood. And when I walk through, all he sees is Jesus and I have his undivided attention and his acceptance. We please God by our approach. You can't come to God any old kind of way. Can't come to God uh, arrogant or presumptuous or, or, or with a heart that esteems men over God himself. More allegiance to a denomination than the Lord himself. More allegiance to how we do something instead of who we worship. God sees through that stuff. That's why to our local church's harm in the temporal but with great reward in eternity, I tell you, you don't have any allegiance to this church. All allegiance is to Jesus Christ. All allegiance is to Jesus Christ. We approach him that way. This is our house of worship. But Christ Chapel doesn't have to exist. God's glory has to exist. And for the name of the Son. How we approach him. He sees it. Don't you know when your children... Y'all, y'all don't... Y'all, I, I get on to you every second or third week. Y'all didn't tell me and Kelly none of this stuff about how kids do. You just sat back and go, watch them, watch them, watch them. They manipulate and maneuver. Izzy told Kelly that day she was having a meltdown about something. And Kelly said, baby, just stop. If you give me what I want, I will stop. <laughs> and, you're, and you see them, you reward once. Oh, that was so sweet. You gave your sister something. And then the other walk over to Elisha and go, <coughs> thinking they're going to get a prize. And you're like, you see through it so easily. But a child thinks you're none the wiser. Now watch this. We approach God like we do and think he doesn't know the difference. We come in trying to get something or we, you know how your child will obey half-hearted or like, go clean your room. Like, that dog will not hunt. In my generation, they would call defects after that. You don't, and they say, I did what you said. No, no. That approach, that, that doesn't work. And they think they're invisible. You can't hear them behind the closed door because if they can't see you, you can't see them. You know, vice versa. And the Lord knows 
And so Abel pleased the Lord in his approach. How you approach the Lord has more to do with who you are than who he is. Oh, it's quiet in here today. We'll either have a great crowd next week or, oh, Lord. Okay, number, letter B. They do so in what they bring him. They please the Lord in what they bring him. The first thing they bring is themselves. The second thing they bring is their gratitude expressed in praise. The third thing they bring is their love and affection expressed in worship. The fourth thing we bring is our offerings. Now, that doesn't have to be in your local church. But you cannot have an approach to God. Okay, You're going to come into the presence of God without bringing you. You don't write a check. You bring you. David, who was really the, the, one of the founding fathers of expressive worship, he said, I will lift my hands as the evening sacrifice instead of bringing you, and I will bring you those things, the grain and the heave offering and the wave offering and all those things. I bring you me first. That's what worship is, the lifting of empty hands, saying, I offer you myself. I offer you myself. We bring him Bring, bring him ourselves. And then you can't bring yourself without bringing gratitude. Give thanks unto the Lord and bless his name. Why? Because God's been good to us. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endureth to all generations. We bring our love and affection expressed in worship. And we bring our offerings. If you grew up in the generation I did, there was manipulation and twisting and in the local churches and on television trying to get offerings. Here, here's a general rule how you'll know if the Lord's probably not in it. If the pastor's talking about or the teacher's talking, the preacher's talking about sowing and giving and it's his garden, that's the sign. But we bring the Lord offerings not to be accepted. Because we're accepted. We give outside of these walls. We, we help. We give of our time, our talents, our resources, our monies to the Lord. And then there's the times we come in the house where we worship and we say, Lord, I give this to you because I love you. And y'all are so good about this. The missionaries that come through, uh, it was four and $5,000 we gave each one of them in the last couple of weeks. And we're able to bless. They were blown away. That's, that's a giving unto the Lord. How, how do you have a gratitude without a giving? How many of you got friends, and don't point to them, that receive well, but don't reciprocate? And you're not doing it to get something back. It's not the size of the gift, it's the gratitude. Things that move me is like at Christmas time when the lady with four or five kids that doesn't have any money bakes cookies and brings them to my house. I said, I just want you to know that I love you and I appreciate you as my pastor. I am just moved that she's expressing a gratitude for a flawed man with generosity. The Bible said Abel brought firstlings, plural. First, the best. Are you a giver to the Lord? Not, not your family, not your kids. The Lord. Are you generous 
with the Lord. It's one of the things God will never do for you. He'll never make you generous. How many of y'all got that friend that every time you go out to eat, they go, oh, man, just, all right, I got you. <laughs> you got to be covering, covering. And then there's that person that always wants to take care of it. Now you say, well, they have a lot. Not always. There's a mentality. There's a generosity that they'll pick up one person or they'll, they'll want to give. Do you know there are people in the church that have done this for 20 years? And they've never given of their, their life or their resources or their substance. And I don't need your money, by the way. Our church doesn't need your money. But you need to be generous to God because it, it's an expression of revelation. I know what you've done for me. I know what you've done for me. And I just want to show you, Lord, I know this is not a lot. But from my heart, I do this for you. I may not get to all my sermon, but that's okay. I just feel I'm supposed to stay here a minute. I remember one of the stories that I heard that changed this for me. Changed everything. It changed everything. It's like from then on, the paradigm shifted. And I've told it here before, but, you know, you preach in one place 21 years. You've told most of your stories. That was a joke. Uh, Y'all are quiet today. And it's kind of dark. But anyway, um, the little girl had been part of a broken home and her uh, mom had raised her by herself and she was the only child and her mother died and they had no means nothing I mean poor like the one dressed little girl you know and there was some family that was going to watch her distant cousins or something and uh, they were in service one Sunday and the pastor was preaching about giving and you know uh, I don't know what it was for. If it was, a, a, you know, the thermometer on the stage. Y'all ever seen that? That's horrible. Uh, you know, you just got to give. Let's give. And all the little girl had, her mama had left her, was her engagement ring to her dad. That's all she left her. And it was, you know, $25 ring, 50 It wasn't anything. And the pastor watched as they were taking the offering, and she said, And she took her mother's ring off and put it in the offering plate. The usher saw it, made sure the pastor saw it. And after church, he kind of pulled her off to the side. And he said, darling, I saw what you did, and that was wonderful. But I think we want you to keep this ring. So first of all, he's thinking it's not worth a lot. But he said, it's going to mean a lot more to you. No, 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 I, I wanted to give it. I wanted to give it. And he said, darling, listen to me. You don't know now. But later, this is going to mean so very much to you. And we, I'd rather not take it. We, we want you to have it. it. It's just going to mean so much more to you. And this little girl, 9, 11 years old, goes, You don't seem to understand. I didn't give this ring to you. I gave it to God. And that preacher, it flashed. He'd lost it. Over the years, through budget raising and buying chairs and film projectors and stages and everything, he's counting nickels, seeing the worth. And the worth is not determined by the tag. The worth is determined by the heart of the one that gave it. The worth is determined. They do so in how they respond to him. They bring him pleasure in how they respond to him. Cain responded 
negatively, angrily, in any form of correction, any form of, of God asking more. Abel's response to the Lord was as God directed, but Cain's was different and he wasn't open to hearing otherwise. Listen, his word, his way, his correction and his voice, Cain would have none of it. Cain was not accepted as a person. It says in Genesis 4, but Cain and his offering was not accepted. It wasn't just that he didn't bring the symbol of, of Christ, but him as a person. See, when, when we come before the Lord, he sees not only what we're offering, but the offerer. He sees the heart of the person. Cain was not accepted, proving that every path does not lead to God. Cain was not accepted, proving the refusal of his offering. God didn't accept it. God doesn't take everything. And you can put something in an offering plate or you can give something to the Lord and it go through the process and channel and it never reach God because he said, I don't want anything to do with it. God wants the heart connected to the gift. And the, See, if he has the heart, he'll get the gift. But if he gets a gift, he may not have the heart. Cain was not accepted for reasons revealed in his attitude. How he acted towards God. How he acted towards his brother. See, God sees all of that in there before it was revealed. Cain was not accepted, and you can see this in his countenance. Cain was not accepted even though God entreated him personally to do so. This is very important. When God accepted Abel's sacrifice and Cain brought his and God rejected it, Cain became downcast and upset and, and angry. And God spoke to him tenderly. What grace that God would take the time to speak to people like me and you. Not just you, me. That he would say, Cain, what, why are you so upset? If you do the right thing, if you come the right way, and you come correctly, I'll receive you. You can tell who Cain was by how he responded to God. And I'm not saying this because I sat here and talked to you. I wrote this sermon before I knew I was going to do this. But how we respond to correction in the Word of God or in our heart. Churches empty out as soon as they're corrected. But if you say, I'm good, you're good, everybody's good. How, it's all about you. How, what do you want here? How do you like this? And first time of correction, I see it many Sundays while I'm preaching. They just walk out. And it's not me. It's I'll have none of it. The Word of God is quick and powerful, and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It divides asunder the soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow. It reveals the truest part of us. It's not only a lamp and a light, but it lays bare before us who we are. God corrected him, but then he entreated him and said, Cain, you're one choice away from acceptance. And Cain would have none of it. The scariest thing that I see as a minister, and I've got pastor friends of mine visiting today, and I know they've seen it too, is when someone will say, I know what the Word of God says, but... I know what it says about divorce. I know what it says about giving and serving and loving the Lord God best. But, you know, uh, this is not the season. And you're going, I know what the word of God says, but I will assess my circumstances, my situation, my desires, and the time constraints that I have based upon the things I want to do and know to you. Cain was rejected because even when God entreated him, 
He stuck to what he wanted to do, and God ought to have been happy with what he brought, vice, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and God rejected him. Oh, the grace that God would convict us. And I know I've shared this with you before, but I want to remind you, don't ever ask God to stop dealing with you. The, the, as hard as it is, have you ever had something and you go, stop dealing with me about that? Don't, 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 don't. That's, that's the most tender thing God does. He said, I will not let you get comfortable in something that will hurt you. It's grace. Unmerited favor. Cain was not accepted for reasons revealed in what he said and how he spoke to God. Listen to what the Lord said. Cain, where is Abel your brother? I don't know. I'm not my brother's keeper. When you can lie to God and then disdain your fellow man, lie to God about relationship, and then disdain other people, your religion's in vain. You can stand up all day and say you're a Christian. It means nothing. You can't say that. I'll prove it to you. I'm a multimillionaire. I'm a young multimillionaire. And will you agree with me? I got two agreeing now mm, that I'm a millionaire. No, you ain't. The Bible says that our religion is useless if we don't love the Lord God with all our heart, mind, strength. It's the greatest commandment. If we don't love our neighbor as ourselves, it's, it's useless, it's fruitless, it's not evidenced. Well, I believe in Jesus. The devil believes in Jesus. The devil will tell you, that's the Son of God. I tempted him in the wilderness, that's him. He's not saved. It's the works that flow from that. And how we talk to God, when you can lie to God. There have been times your pastor on Sunday mornings has to come and kneel down here and humble himself out of fear. That God would smite me if I preached with something in my heart. That I, and sometimes, I'll just tell you, I'll tell him, I said, it's way deeper than just saying I'm sorry. So I want to repent. And if you'll allow me, I'll preach and then I'll work it out with you when I get home and I repent. I'm sorry. You can't lie to God. It, it, he doesn't look past it. Where's your brother? I don't know. Yeah, you do. You buried him. And we, see, we think like little children that if we keep something from God, he doesn't know. What you keep from God keeps you from God. That's good. That's a bumper sticker right there. Somebody make some money, give me some of it. Send it on. Cain was not accepted for reasons revealed in what he didn't say. He didn't admit guilt, no repentance, no regret, only caring for himself. When God judged him and put a mark on him, he goes, now everyone's going to know I'm a murderer and they're going to kill me. What will happen to me? What are you saying, Cain? I'm saying that I don't want what happened to Abel to happen to me. No regret. That's how you can tell when a heart is corrupted. All they care about is self-preservation and not about how they appear before God. That's why King David, with his horrible sins, lived before the Lord consistently. Because when he was guilty of sin, he was guilty of sin. He said, against you only have I sinned. And this is what I ask of you. It's not that you don't judge me. He didn't ask, don't judge me. He said, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. That's what I want. And that's the difference between people that please God and people that don't please. You, you don't have to be perfect to please God. You have to have a perfect heart. And Cain obviously did not have that. And then 
Letter D, how you walk with him. We please God by how we approach him, what we bring him, how we respond to him, and how we walk with him. Number two, very quickly, people who please God are often hated by those who do not. Why would Cain hate Abel so? And by the way, don't fall for the social gospel in this last hour that says the church is beautiful and we all get along and they should love the church. And Well, we do want to love people. We want to serve people. We want to clothe people. We want to feed people. But Jesus said, you'll be hated of all men for my name's sake. Which means when they, the world sees God in you, they're going to hate that because the spirit of the world hates God. And so the church isn't going to be more popular. The true church is going to be more hated because of the exclusive, narrow approach that we take. We're not hated because we're mean. We're hated because we say there's one lamb, one way, no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That's it. That's why there's hate there. Cain's thinking you can come to God with all kinds of things. Fruits and vegetables and hay and corn and, and, and okra or whatever. You know, just bring it before the Lord. And Abel said, no, you first got to come with the lamb. And after that, you can bring everything else. Since the beginning, now today, the spirit of this age says, come before God any old kind of way. No. Nope. And that stance is going to bring hatred to you in this last day. Mother against father, brother against sister, neighbor against neighbor. Jesus said, don't think I'm coming to bring peace. It's going to bring a sword, even to homes. Hated because of the simplicity of his faith. Hated because of their narrow religious perspective. Don't we hate the word narrow? We don't want people to think we're narrow. Narrow-minded, which means you just, you don't, you're just so narrow. But Christianity is. Yes. You, you can't make a broad way out of a narrow path. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Not Jesus didn't have a lot of different names. Jesus is not Allah. He's not Buddha. He's not Muslim. He's not Islamic. Jesus is the Nazarene prophesied of from the beginning of time. And there is no other approach. So it is narrow. When, when they tell you you're a narrow Christian, it shouldn't be that you're not kind or sweet. But your faith is narrow. Narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many go therein thereat. Hated because of their quiet confidence. They're hated because of their validation. God accepted him. When you walk in your confidence and your acceptance of God, they can tell. And the world hates that because they're unsure. They get the report that they're dying. They're scurrying. They're going to Mexico looking for... Tea leaves and, you know, any old kind of voodoo to help them. And you have a confidence whether I live or die, I'm the Lord's. I'll, I'll see the doctor, but this ain't all there is. When the deal's done, my doctor needs a doctor. I go before the Lord. There's a confidence there. And Abel had that, and it brought hatred from Cain. And they're hated because of their testimony. Cain saw Abel be accepted. And he hated him for it. Those who please God are often hated by those who do not. Now, as Christians, you shouldn't be hated because you're weird. Come in your work with a Bible on a dolly. You know, that was a joke. Y'all are just so quiet this morning. You know, you wheel it down and throw your King James family Bible on the desk. And you, 
you pray in King James over your meal and you try to be strange. That's not why they're hated. We're hated because they know that we have a childlike simple faith and we believe that we have something that they do not. And Cain knew it. Cain saw it. And finally, those who please God are ordinary people who walk with God day by day in a thousand little and big moments. How many of you are 50 or older? 40 or older? Now, only, only if you remember this. Do you remember when this was common? I'm not asking you if you've heard it. But it, when it was common that they identified people by saying, this one walks with the Lord. Walks, that, was what, that was the highest form of compliment. They have a beautiful walk with the Lord. Or they have a deep walk with the Lord. To say that infers a nearness, a continuous travel somewhere, not exercise. I walk for exercise. I walk to eat. Some of y'all exercise so you can be fine. Some of you fine. When you're 50, gravity abolishes the idea of fine. Is there anybody else in the house that works out and watches the calorie meter and you're just sweating and it's coming off your nose and your face is all red and you're thinking, in 30 minutes, I'm eating a whole pizza. <laughs> Grieve, you might passed out of it. I'm eating a whole pizza. This walk with God is not exercise. It's a traveling to somewhere. So Enoch walked with God, and he had this testimony that he pleased with God, was, God was pleased with him. So that implies a nearness, and it implies a destination. I'm telling you, it's more real to me today than it ever has been in my life. I'm on my way to Zion. I am on my way to a city whose builder and maker is God. I am one day closer to splitting the veil of eternity. And so shall I ever be with the Lord. I'm not walking in circles. I'm not looking for an exit ramp. I'm holding the hand of the one that died for me. And we're going somewhere. I'm going somewhere. Aren't you afraid? No. No. Now, do I want to leave this world and leave children as orphans? Not at all. But you're talking about my soul. Are you worried about going to heaven? Am I worried about going home? Are you kidding me? You must not know what home is or you not be, might not be sure you're going. I know what awaits me on the other side. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Everybody that I've ever known in the Lord that's gone before me and those I've never met. I have parents and grandparents and friends that are waiting on the other side. I have a father I haven't seen since I was 11. I'm 54th in 43 years. And as sure as I'm breathing, he's on the other side. I'm walking with God because we're going somewhere. I'm closer today than I've ever been. I was talking to that man yesterday, and he's 74. And I, I forget sometimes that everybody ain't Christian. And I... I was telling him, I said, yeah, man, I'm 54, but I got high mileage, and I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go home. He goes, I ain't going home. I'm, I'm 75, and I'm, I'm not ready to go nowhere. And I said, and I remembered, oh, <laughs> you may not be going nowhere. What he means is, I don't want to go be put in a hole. 
Well, if I, that was all it was, I wouldn't be crazy about going. But this walk, this walk is not me walking ahead of God. It's not me walking behind God. It's me walking with God. Not a representative. Enoch walked with God. Not a representative of God. Not a pastor. You can benefit from a pastor, but you're walking with a pastor. My grandfather is my rock. Ah, don't you walk with your granddaddy. Got granddaddy's chair, granddaddy's Bible. You remember, I was telling you about that, but that's not his Lord. I walk with the Lord. I walk, not run. Walk. Every day, a bunch of little decisions, ups, downs, plateaus, heights that we have to climb, valleys we have to go into, long plateaus that seem to never end, but we're walking and we're a day closer. We're closer today. Felicia, we're closer today than we've ever been. Ordinary people please God. And these are ordinary people who have done so intentionally. Intentionally. Relationship is never done by accident. You have the relationship with Jesus Christ today that you want, period. I'll have people write me when I say stuff like, no, I don't. Yes, you do. Because he said, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. Every effort you make, I'll match it. Every effort. And we love to say, well, I don't understand the Bible like this one or I can't sing like this one. These people on the stage, they make me tired. All gifted and play and sing. And I can use that as an excuse. They really don't, but I'm just being funny. They, you're not laughing today, but it's still quite funny. And next week I'll be. But what I mean is, well, if I could do that, I could. No, 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 no. You approach him from your gratitude, not from your gifting. You don't approach God from your gifting. You have the relationship that you want with Jesus Christ today. And Enoch walked with God because he chose to. Can't nobody keep you from walking with, oh, they're not going to let my baby pray in school. They can't pray in school. He can buy his head wherever he wants to buy his head. There's no prayer allowed in this school. Thank you, Lord, for this spam. I hate it, but I'm thanking you for it. And thank you for this tired cheese toast and bless your name. Amen. I can pray. I, listen, even unbelievers pray at test time and finals. Lord, help me remember the things I've studied and all the things I didn't read. Help me to remember. And that's a prayer that's never answered, by the way, the things you haven't studied. I had a Christian say one time, I'm just believing the Lord to impart to me that which I did not study. I said, you're in trouble. <laughs> God don't reward sorry. Anyway. He doesn't. Okay, give me, give me give an example. I'm sitting over a plate of cheese fries. I ain't going to share it with nobody. It's mine. It's my appetizer before my meal. That's my meal. And I'm going to pray, Lord, bless this to the nourishment of my body. Ain't happening. Ain't happening. God's not going to turn it into field peas. So what do you say? Lord, I know this ain't good for me, but I did run an hour and a half yesterday. So thank you for this whole plate of mess. Amen. That's all you do. Relationship is never accomplished by accident. Listen, an acquaintance is not the same thing as a friend. And a friend is more than what you have on Facebook. If I were to ask you today, no, 
if God's voice spoke in this place today and he were to say, are you an acquaintance or a friend? How would you answer? Acquaintances do not please the Lord. He wants to know us. Well, he knows us omnisciently, but he wants to know us and be known by us. He wants to serve and be served by us. He wants to enjoy and be enjoyed by us. He wants us intentionally. Abraham was called the friend of God. These are ordinary people who may have had a tipping point. The Bible said that Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah. Maybe having a boy enter his world, he changed. I don't know, but some of us have come to a tipping point and there could have been a conviction in the service or, or something that caused us to jump all in. Lisa, if you would come up, please. I've got so much, I'm just going to have to read to you. So uh, just bear with me just a moment. We'll be done on time. Ordinary people who have built their relationship day by day in a thousand big and small ways. Who've been willing to build their relationship over a long period of time. It said that Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years. Willing to walk with the Lord a long time without letting go of the hand. Who continue on with God as responsibilities increase and life becomes more complex. It says in Genesis 5 that Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and he had other sons and daughters. How many people? Oh, they're everywhere. Wane, their, their gratitude wanes, their worship wanes, their offerings, their ministry, their praise, their faithfulness as life becomes more complex. So first of all, 300 years, there's fatigue. And then more sons and daughters as it got more difficult. Picture in your mind's eye, he never let go of God's hand. Lord, the math means I'm losing time. Less time in a day, less time in a week. But you first, oh Lord. You first. Some of us have fell into the trap that we wouldn't miss a ball game or a cheerleading game or a gymnastic thing and rightfully so we want to celebrate our children and while I've offended everybody I'll just offend the last bit this morning they don't come before the Lord they don't come before the Lord they were gifts from the Lord they're not the Lord and I mean, if you can go to everything and keep God first, go to everything and enjoy every moment. But God first. Enoch pleased God after all the sons and daughters were added. And he was a good father, a good husband, and a good man. But he pleased God. Ordinary people who do not have to be exhilarated or entertained but are content in the mundane. My daughter Kylie and I were talking about this. How many people want to be shocked and excited and exhilarated? Walking is mundane. The vast majority of your Christian life is doing responsibilities, paying the bills, being faithful. It's a walk. It's not skydiving or windsuits and zip lines in the Christian faith. You'll have a couple of, it's walk. Walk with the Lord. 
And God's not going to stoop to being our cruise director to keep us exhilarated. There are exhilarating moments, but a walk is simple. Ordinary people who have not been held back by their family, family history. I got three minutes, but this is very important. Some of you have not, you, it was so difficult, but now it's an excuse of who mama was, who daddy was, and who granddaddy was. Do you know who Enoch's was? Cain. And he said, I'm not going to let who you were hinder me and who I'm going to be. And he walked out of that history into one that walked with God and pleased God. Final statement. It said, and Enoch walked with God, which means he was in habitual fellowship with God. And God didn't want to live without him. Where it says, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. That word, God took him, means violently snatched. Enoch was the first foreshadowing of the rapture of the church. He was just walking with the Lord. Just day in and day out, being a daddy, being a husband, being a father, being a friend, being a businessman doing what he's supposed to do, expressing gratitude, loving the Lord. And I heard a preacher word it this way, and to me it's just perfect. He said, one day Enoch was walking with God hand in hand, and he was telling God how grateful he was. He said, God, you've been so good to me. Who am I that you'd love me and give me what a good wife I have and all my babies and healthy and my business is God I want you to know that I am un, I am unworthy but I am grateful and here it is and I recognize you as the giver of all that I have and God I'll put words in his mouth but the scripture says he was this way Enoch look at me do you know how much pleasure I have walking with you you make me glad that I created man. How long have we been walking together? Long time, God. 300 years. 300 years? I, I'm wore out at 54. My wheels are falling off now. Enoch, how long have we walked together? 300, almost 301 years. Hey, buddy, it's now closer to my house than it is yours. Let's go home. And he just snatched him. He just was not. I don't believe it. It happened anyway. He translated him from this world to the next one. No mention if he told mama or not. I'm thinking God probably told mama because she would have went to pieces not knowing. I'm pretty sure the Lord sent somebody to He just vanished. Everybody that names the name of Christ isn't going in the rapture. I'm not trying to be a fear monger. I'm telling you. But those that know him and that he knows them and they bring pleasure. It, hey, it's now closer to my house than yours. Let's go. And in a moment, faster than light can bounce off your retina, you'll be changed. 
and this corruption is going to put on incorruption, and this mortal is going to put on immortality. And then she'll be brought to pass the saying that is written, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? For the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God that's gave us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And my favorite part, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. In my Father's house are many mansions, Jesus said. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I've gone to prepare a place for you. And I'm coming again to receive you unto myself, because where I am, I want you to be. But he's not coming for those that don't want him to come. This ain't happening. By faith, we please the Lord. It's by faith, believing, believing. There should be a part of this sermon, it did for me, that makes us a little uncomfortable, but fills us with great hope, saying, I need to tighten up a few things. I just want to straighten out a few things. I want to be better, more in, more full. And I don't need your help. I know how to build relationship. Okay, God, if it's coffee and where I used to have an hour, my precious wife used to get up at four or five. And now with three kids, that hour might be 10 minutes or 15 minutes before the kids get. But Lord, you get them. You and coffee. Can I share coffee with you? Because I got to have something to kick start in this. And the Lord's, I'm, you know me. I just want to be with you. What does it profit if we gain everything else and do not have the testimony that we walked with God and pleased Him? Nothing. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Just a moment of self-examination. And there will be some today that says, Lord, I don't have time right now. They're closing service, but when you and I get home, I want to talk. I want to get closer. I want to bring you pleasure. I want to feel your pleasure again in my life. I want you to delight in me and enjoy me. I want to enjoy you again. Oh, I hear somebody in my heart. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord. And he hasn't. That's why he's dealing with you. I also feel in my spirit, I just submit this to you, that somebody, God, has just reached out and grabbed your hand and said, even though you left me, I haven't left you. Walk with me. We're going somewhere. Walk with me in the old paths. Walk with me again, closely, nearly, near me, like we used to. Lord, as we go out from this place, may we be so aware of your presence. May we be aware if we've dropped your hand. May we reorganize and refocus our lives to where you are first. That our goal, before we're a good daddy or a good husband or a good wife or a good mother or a good friend or a good worker, is that we walk with God and please God. May it be said of us that we walk with God and please God. For the glory of your Son, we pray. By the power of your Spirit, make it a reality. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.